everyone. This is Michael Wilson from Queensryche, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, everyone. This is Todd Latore from Queensryche, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hello and welcome to episode 207 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I am your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best hard rock, heavy metal, blues, rock, music talk on the net. Episode 207, we are joined by two special guests. We have joining us, vocalist of Queensryche, and you're saying to yourself, wait a minute, they just had the vocalist of Queensryche. We have the vocalist of the other Queensryche. We're joined by Todd Latore. Uh, on this episode to talk about the uh, version of Queensryche that they have, which features essentially most of the original Queensryche. So Todd will be joining us talking about their new album, which debuted at number 23 on the Billboard Top 200. For those of you interested, we did have Jeff Tate on uh, in a prior episode. Uh, you can go to ironcityrocks.com and pull that down. And also joining us on this episode, Queen V. We will be introducing you to uh, a kind of a call it more of a modern rock singer uh she's out of new york got a really great attitude and uh enjoys a lot of the the hard rock and metal stuff and i think those influences blend in her music quite nicely so i think you'll enjoy that quite a bit so what we're going to do for you right now for those of you who have not heard todd's voice i know a lot of the you know message boards on the internet and such have been singing his praises uh, and his ability to hit some of the classic queensryche lady wore black type songs we're going to give you the first single from the new Queensryche album. The song's called Fallout. Then you're going to hear me talk to Todd.
All right, sure. Iron City Rocks, welcome to the show. We have Queensryche vocalist Todd Latore. How are you doing, Todd? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. How are you? I, I'm wonderful, and it's, it's awesome to have an opportunity to get to talk to you uh, and get to learn a little bit about your background. Uh, obviously, your name has been everywhere in the last few months uh, in the hard rock and metal community with, with your involvement with Queensryche. But if we could back up a little bit, you were in a band called Crimson Glory, out of Florida, um, but can you take us back to kind of how you got into music and just give us a feel for where you came from? Sure. Um, when I was 10 years old, my mother, uh, I got my first classical guitar at okay. 10. And so I started taking lessons and uh, enjoyed that. And then at 13 years old, I got my first real drum set. And uh, drumming was really always my passion. Mm-hmm. I was just really always interested in the, the rhythmic qualities of music and that kind of a thing. So I continued to, to play drums and play guitar and songwrite for my own my own stuff. Um, into my teens, I played in uh, in some in various rock and heavy metal bands. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then into my early 20s, I was playing in a three-piece band, uh, playing drums, okay. doing cover songs, and singing backing vocals, that okay. sort of thing. So uh, I've been a drummer since I was 13 and still play um, mm. and lo- love drumming. And then, uh, you know, I still play guitar, too, more as a songwriting tool. Yeah. But um, I've since started practicing my guitar a lot more and trying to get a lot better at that and you know singing was something i always enjoyed but i was never uh trying to be the singer of any band i was i wasn't a singer you know working the club circuit trying to make it as a singer um always as a drummer so this is yeah this is all you know new and exciting for me uh, within the last you know three and a half years or so with crimson glory and now with Queensryche. so it's kind of hard to put into words what that's like. Yeah, and I think a a lot of people kind of overlook, you know, a lot of musicians work on their chops, you know, guitars who can play lights out and and drummers and bassists and things like that, but it's interesting in what we do in talking to so many professional musicians that make a living at this, you know, through fads and music and things, the guys who can play their instruments well and sing uh, and harmonize and things like that are the guys you find that are doing this for 25, 30 years. So, you know, it's wise, you know, even though you're a drummer, to develop that, you know. You know, it's something, playing guitar and singing is really hard for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But drumming and singing is not hard at all for me. It's just just very, it's just always came fairly easy for me. Um, I still feel like a drummer at heart that loves to sing. (laughs) A lot of times I'll go up on the drum riser and mess around with Scott and I'll be mm. air drumming or whatever. It's yeah. Just, it's, I just love drumming and I love singing. So I, yeah, it's yeah. You've got a, a, I like all aspects of music. Awesome. Now, uh, you, you play the dulcimer as well? Yeah, the hammered dulcimer is an instrument that was introduced to me from my, my dear friend who uh, sadly passed away a couple of years ago, Matt Laporte. Okay. He was a guitarist for John Oliva's Pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a hammered dulcimer, and I was actually um, fortunate enough to play the hammered dulcimer on the John Oliva's Pain album called Festival for, for a song called Afterglow. But, yeah, it's kind of a... I don't play piano, 
And it's kind of a, of a really neat ethnic-sounding instrument that is almost a cross between drumming and playing piano. Um, sure. Yeah, you have these little, They're called the hammers, yeah, that you hold in your hand. And you can get a really good bounce off the strings, and it's a really, really beautiful instrument. So I've been kind of learning to play that. Yeah, that, uh, that it's interesting, you know, that you, it's kind of a, if I'm not mistaken, kind of a Greek instrument in origin. You know, that's an interesting one to pick up. Uh, you, know. you know, everything seems to come from Greece, doesn't it? I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know where it, I don't know the origins, to be honest, but. Yeah, honestly, without them, we'd probably be playing atonal music. <laughs> we owe it all the Greeks. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, so you spent, um, is it three years in Crimson Glory? Um, and you've officially left the band now. Or you kind of were doing double duty with Queensryche and, and Crimson Glory for a period of time? On paper. On yeah. paper I was, but, uh, you know, when I, we, we, our last tour we did with Crimson Glory was in Europe, and uh, the intention was to go back to the States and try to finish up the, the songwriting for this concept album we were working on. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, one month led into two months, into three months. I wasn't getting calls for songwriting sessions. The the one guitar player, John, I hadn't heard from in many, many months. And I just, Queensryche was, was, was you know, giving me, you know, material and they're calling me every day and emailing every There was just a, a communication mm-hmm. that was, uh, that was awesome. I wasn't used to that. And so, uh, you know, I was, if my intention was to do both. Clemson was never a, a large touring act, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, I thought that it was manageable. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason why I left Crimson was just because of the bands and activity. It wasn't because Queensryche took more of my time. Okay. It was just, it's just the way that it happened. I just got tired of this cloud over my head, mm-hmm. you know, with the fans and press and people asking, when's the record coming out? When's the record coming out? Finally, I just had to say, okay, here's the deal. Yeah. You know, it's the writing has ceased yeah. and it's not because of me. So what do you want me to do? Yeah. So I just, I started building up some resentment and I really love the guys in that band. And I just, I would rather not be in the band with them and be friends than then have animosity and resentment and bad feelings and force something that didn't seem to flow very naturally anymore. And That's so, cool. um, yeah, the intent was to do both, but is what it is. There we are. Yeah. So you ran into to Michael Wilton and didn't realize he was Michael Wilton. Is that a true story? Yeah. Uh, Testament played at the Grove during that NAM, that year, 2012 mm-hmm. NAM. And, uh, you know, Michael's kind of a short dude like me, and yeah, Eric very similar-looking guy. Short yeah. guy. Yeah. Huh? They, yeah, they're very similar-looking yeah, so guys. He was up. He was at the buffet table when I I went up to the. To, I was at a dinner party, and I went to put food on my plate, and I looked at him, and I said, "Hey, great show last night." And he looked at me like, "Huh?" And I said, "Yeah, I just saw you play at the Grove last night." He was like, "What, dude?" And I looked at him, and and that's when it it. You know, made sense. I was like, "Oh, that's not the guy." <laughs> and I said, "Oh man, I feel I feel embarrassed." I said, "Well, no, never mind. I I do know who you are now that I'm I'm looking at you." And uh, sorry. Anyway, my name's Todd. I 
in a band Crimson and Gory, I know who you are, you're in Queensryche, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, just kind of a, as a formality or a cordial thing. So what are you doing? This is what I'm doing. And we just kind of had a nice rapport. And I invited him to sit down with me at my dinner table to further discuss what had started. And uh, that was really how I met him. You know, yeah. it was total, totally by chance. I mean, yeah. he, he didn't really know me, and I didn't know him. So yeah. So the question, I guess, the question there would be: if it had been uh, Eric Peterson, could you have, could you have stepped in and done Chuck Billy there? That would have been. You know, <laughs> a little bit oh man, there's only one, there's only one Chuck Billy, right? Yeah, yeah, he's love that yeah. guy. Well, actually, I think if you listen to some of the records, there's almost two Chuck Billys, but that's a different subject for a different interview, maybe. <laughs> um, at the time of of your running into Michael, was this uh, pre or, or post the, the San Paolo incident that I think is unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, kind of marred Queen's Rights history? Pre. pre, okay. This was pre, yeah, and and, and the 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 sentiment of our dialogue was really, you know, he had another band called Ratchethead. He had a mm-hmm. band called Bill Bender. Yeah. You know, he had some things in the fire uh, for his own interests um, outside of Queensryche. And, and he worked with some other people that um, have written stuff for uh, TV, for television, music. And there was some interest for trying to do stuff for like ESPN, you know, when they're playing the sports reels and you hear the cool rock music in the background. Mm-hmm. Just writing stuff like that. And uh, that was initially how how uh, this all, this this conversation happened. And I said, dude, I, I would, yeah, it'd be cool to do something different on the side. And, you know, if you ever need a, a voice to do something or drumming or whatever, you know. So we exchanged information and, that was that was how it started. You know, he sent me some songs, and um, I worked on some stuff with him, and he really liked it. And that was when the uh, the idea spawned for, hey, Queensryche's not really doing hardly anything this year. Right. You know, we have some shows booked, but nothing really respectable on the calendar. Mm-hmm. And what if we put together another side band? It'll be all the guys in Queensryche, minus Jeff. You can sing. Let's do all the old stuff that the fans would probably love to hear that we're not playing in our set mm-hmm. and see how it goes. Maybe we can start booking shows and make some supplemental income until Queensryche can, can go back out on the road. Uh, Jeff was promoting a solo album and touring. So it just, they didn't, you know, they had a lot of time and who doesn't want to try to make an extra dollar, you know, doing what you love. That's so that's, that's how it all happened. That's when yeah. the rising West thing started and it was received amazingly well yeah. and uh, and then those incidents that you mentioned mm-hmm. happened and hence the well this just seems to fit and make sense why don't we just let's just continue on yeah. and here we are you know this, that's how it happened really yeah yeah, and, and I think um, you know for a lot of people who might think you know where you just brought in to, to sing parts for the were written for Jeff I mean your name is on if I'm not mistaken the credits to just about every single track on this new record. Um, what was that, that like, the, that process of going in? I mean, obviously you're working, you mentioned uh, being a, a, a drummer. Um, Mr. Rockenfield is, is pretty legendary in the drumming world. Um, sure. To kind of go in with these guys and, and be in the studio with this kind of, you know, for this type of music, a pretty iconic band. How, how was that um, experience? By, by the time we were actually songwriting and mm-hmm. then going into track, 
we had already developed a really great friendship. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew how these guys worked, and um, it was a really it was it was not a stressful, hard thing to be a part of. Um, you know, they respected my abilities, and and uh, there was a complete mutual respect uh, among all of us to throw in all your ideas. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I had drumming parts that made it on the record that Scott liked what I initially wrote in the demo form and he said dude I think what you did is great I'm going to track it like that and then you know obviously he put his the rest of his stuff on there and it's exceptional on this record by the way which yeah. is not but yeah. Michael Michael wrote uh, vocal melodies um, Scott did guitar parts and all the orchestrations Parker wrote lyrics Michael wrote lyrics I mean uh, Eddie wrote lyrics to two of the songs mm-hmm. and uh everyone just was was a part of it you know we didn't want any outside people we didn't we just wanted it to be us and let's see what we can come up with and so this first record is i think a really great beginning it's a good representation of the band's vision and it shows versatility on the album so yeah. it's a, it's a, it's an exciting time for 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 me, for all the guys and the fans, you know, the reaction from the fans is all positive. They're, you know, they feel like they have their band back because, yeah. you know, let's face it, the last several records from the band just didn't sound like Queensryche, it, you no. know, in my opinion, and to a lot of other people's opinions. Yeah, I don't what happens when you, when you get outside writers involved and, yeah. you know, putting anymore. So it's going to sound different. Yeah, I mean, you had you guys even went back to the well with uh, Jimbo Burton uh, and production. Yeah, oh, he was he was uh, an an essential ingredient for what you're hearing on this record. Sonically speaking, creatively speaking, he was part of the pre-production, and uh, you know we're very fortunate that he was willing and able to be a part of this. Yeah. So is the intent now, I mean, you guys are just going to spend the rest of the summer, uh, you're doing a lot of, like, fly-in shows, or are you guys going to do, like, a full-on tour? Both. Both. Right now we've got, you know, some fly dates. Um, But the calendar um, is looking, is is starting to look really great. We've got, you know, some shows uh, next month. Um, uh, Let's see, September, I know, is going to be, I believe a, a full month ground tour in the States, Europe, uh, it will be in Europe in October. Then I think a lot more shows are going to be added to the, to the schedule for October mm-hmm. in Europe. And then obviously next year, you know, we'll be touring in full support of the album. And, uh, we anticipate to do a lot of shows next year. And, you know, while we're still working on the next album. Awesome. Well, Todd, I want to thank you. I wish you all the best. The album will be out, um, it's coming out on the 25th or 26th in um, the United States. Uh, 24th in Europe, the 25th here in the U.S. Okay. Um, and, yeah, I, I, you know, I could speak on behalf of all the guys, you know, that would we, they would all say thank you to you for your for your interest and your, um, you know, your time wanting the interview. You know, it's always absolutely. great when people want to talk about the new record and there's a lot of enthusiasm surrounding it. So I would say thank you. Oh, that's, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, as, as a fan of, of Queensryche um, for, for many, many, many years, um, yeah, we want to thank 
whatever got the music back to the quality we're hearing now. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the you know the last couple of records, especially the last one was a real head scratcher, I think, for a lot of people. So um, this is fantastic yeah. to hear. Well, those days know. are over, dude. It's a new time. <laughs> awesome. Well, Todd, I want to thank yeah. you so much for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a great have a great weekend. Queens of the Stone Age are back. On tour in support of their new album, Like Clockwork. Available for pre-order now. Queens of the Stone Age. Gates open at 6.30 Saturday, September 14th at Stage AE Outdoors. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster. Brought to you by Promo West, North Shore, and Coors Light. All right, a big thank you to Todd Latore of Queensryche. You can check them out at queensrykeofficial.com. It's probably the easiest way to tell the uh, two bands apart. One is queensryke.com. Those are the other guys from the previous episode. Queensryche Official, Michael Wilton, Eddie Jackson, Scott Rockenfield, Todd Latore. Uh, so you want to check that as well. Um, hopefully we'll be seeing them in Pittsburgh very soon. Uh, it would be great to hear both versions live. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed uh, Jeff Tate's version, quite honestly. Um, and as I had said in the previous episode, if two versions of Queensryche keeps these uh, bands happy and keeps good music coming out, like really both of the records are, then I'm all for it. I would rather have two bands making records than one band making themselves miserable. So enough said on that. Now, in what I'm realizing is a giant coincidence, we will be speaking to Queen V. So we went from Queen's right to Queen's V. Uh, Queen V, uh, artist out of uh, New York uh, City, uh, just made her way through the Thunderbird Cafe on the 13th of July. Uh, did a, a show out there and tore it up from all reports. Uh, was not, unfortunately, able to make it in person. I think everyone was still kind of recovering from mayhem, as Queen V was, too, as she told me she was going to be out there for mayhem. So we're going to do, we're going to get into an interview with her uh, and kind of introduce Pittsburgh to Queen Bee. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Pittsburgh, would like to welcome to the show Queen V. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you, John? Fantastic. You're going to be coming into the Thunderbird Cafe, uh, I believe it's Saturday night, the uh, 13th, uh, to do a show, um, and you've got a new record out. So why don't we back up and, and just give people a little bit about your background. You got started in theater, didn't you? Um, yeah, I kind of fell into musical theater, but I always played and sang and wrote songs since I was a little kid. So, okay. you know, I was bitten by the rock and roll bug early and kind of never left me. <laughs> now, did you... Um, do you, do you play guitar as well, or do you just sing in the band? Um, I mostly just sing lead. I do play guitar here okay. and there, but we, we've got a smoking band who uh, who can amply handle the guitar duties. Yeah, I thought so I'd cut, cut some pictures of you with the guitar. Um, what, what, yep. what were some of your vocal influences You know, kind of growing up? Um, I'd say probably my two biggest vocal influences growing up would be Freddie Mercury and Robert Plant. Okay, setting the bar very high. Yeah. <laughs> when, no, well, you know, you call yourself Queen V. You have to uh, find a way yeah. to deliver as, as the best goods you can. Yeah. No, I mean, there's two guys who had, you know, very um, both had very powerful voices, but kind of different styles. Um, you know, when I listen to your music, you can hear some blues working. And was that the kind of the, the Robert Plant, you know, Led Zeppelin sort of influence in that music? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I, I think you know, Freddie. Be- besides being such a great, you know, vocal technician, just his sense of melody and drama. Yeah. Infectious. Yeah, certainly when you think of Freddie, I, I can't visualize him without, you know, one arm way up in the air and a big grandiose pose. Um, <laughs> exactly. Certainly, you know, the Freddie that I remember, and R- Robert similarly with his hand and his crotch, but, you know, different different angles. But, um your your new album out, uh, Decade of Queen V. Um, you want to talk a little bit about you know how the album came together and where you recorded it? Sure. Um, that album was really um, a starting point that I wanted to put together. You know, the a compilation of different you know places that I've gone um, throughout my career in the last you know seven eight years. Compilation of songs that really defined who I am as an artist, who we are as a band, and, you know, this whole crazy pirate ship of musicians that I work with. Mm-hmm. I wanted new fans that were meeting along to have really a starting place. If they didn't know us, where we could hand them one CD and say, here, this is Queen V. This is a good place to start to find out uh-huh. what we're all about. Okay. So that's why you hear, you know, some previously released material, but then there's the brand new single, Cry Your Eyes Out. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you know, in the past you've worked with yeah, Lemmy of all people, uh, Tom Morella. Um, how did you work with Lemmy? Can you talk a little bit about that experience of working with Lemmy? Um, it was great. Um, he is a highly intelligent, and you know, um, I don't need to like sell you on the virtues of Lemmy, but no. he was really wonderful to work with. Um, we started lamenting one night on the music business, and you know, and some other shysters that we knew, and we just wrote the song together and he came in and recorded it and we just we knocked it out in a night. He was a great guy. Yeah, it it seems it's funny the people who are, you know, get to know Lemmy, you know, we we all have this vision of, you know, the iron fist and you know what yeah. uh, Lemmy is kind of like on stage, but then you know the people like I'm talking to Dora Pesh who has worked with Lemmy many times. Um what a sweet individual he is, you know, he's got kind of a gruff, you know, if you watch the movie, you know, the Lemmy Right. Kind of grow up, but once you get to know him, he seems like a great guy. 
Um, you know, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with that. And for a man like that, you know, to support women in music the way he has, just by mm-hmm. virtue of the some of the duets he's done, yeah. um, uh, you know, you, you can't help but just appreciate that and respect him even more. Yeah, I mean, especially uh, you, for him to take the time, like you said, to support other artists. Um, you know, Motorhead's a band that you know, certainly doesn't need to look back, but they, but they do take the time to, you know, work with bands, you know, who are maybe not up to their stature, uh, which is fantastic. Right. Um, Tom Morello, how did, how did you hook up with them? Um, actually, I ended up meeting Tom the same night that I met Lemmy. We were um, on tour on the West Coast with the New York City Rock and Roll Compilation Tour, and they happened to catch my set at the Viper Room that night. Uh, both Tom and Lemmy happened to be there in the audience. And we met, became fast friends, and the rest is history, really. <laughs> Did you know they were in the audience at the time? No. Okay. No, I didn't. I didn't. That probably is, is a good thing to try to, you know, go up on stage and hit it out of the park with Lemmy in the audience. It's got to be, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think any guitar player would appreciate, you know, the difficulty of trying to impress Mr. Morello. Be, uh, oh yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Great respect for them both. Yeah. Now you you mentioned I, I see in your bio you had opened for Twisted Sister at one point. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like? Well, that was my first show playing in front of a very large audience that, and especially an audience that didn't know us. I was just uh, coming up out of New York, and I think the largest show I played at that time was maybe a couple hundred people. Mm-hmm. And here we were playing in front of you know a thousand, twelve hundred people in front of their fans who didn't know us. Yeah. And um, I can say that at the beginning of the show, there were some, you know, kind of angry, you know, disbelieving-looking faces with their mm-hmm. arms crossed. Some chick was up there. But I think by the end of the show, we, you know, we did our job, and they real, you know, the audience realized that we were there for the same reason they were, you know, sure. to, to rock and roll and you know get your groove on, if you will. Yeah. Now, was this was this post the the kind of 9/11 reunion that they did? Uh, was this prior to that? No, it was, uh, well, this is going back a few years now, so I'm not sure. When was this reunion? I think they they had kind of disbanded for a period of time, and then I think after 2000, or I'm sorry, 9-11, not 2011, 9-11, they had kind of mended fences and got back together. This was after that, though, correct? Yes, it was after that. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, because I think they were probably pretty tough on each other prior to the reunion. (laughs) I've heard some some interesting stories about their... uh, their uh, practices and stuff leading up to their reunion. So I was curious. You know, it's interesting you mentioned about being a New Yorker. You think, you, you know, maybe you could touch on this, you know, as, as a New Yorker, you know, I think the people in the rest of the country think this is that's probably the toughest rock audience in the country. Is, is that is that a fair statement, or are there other areas of the country you've played that you think were a little surprisingly more difficult, like Boston or Detroit or things like that? Um. No, I think New York is pretty much as tough as you're going to find. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that. I mean, especially those Twisted Sister shows. You know, we were playing out in, like, you know, Long Island in front Ouch. of their, yeah, their, their diehard fans, their hometown crowd. So um, that was that was pretty challenging. But I think also coming from New York, if you go and play other places like, you know, um, Philadelphia or um, San Francisco or Austin or Denver, wherever mm. you go, or Pittsburgh, you know, they appreciate that you want to come and, you know, just join into their music scene and appreciate what they have going on in that town. And that's one of the reasons why we're so excited to come to Pittsburgh and play with our friends, you know, the Hawkeyes and Hero Jr. Yeah, it's going to be a great show. Thunderbird is, is a fun place to play a show. And, and uh, 
and obviously that's again this is uh, the 13th which is if I'm not mistaken Saturday night yep um, Saturday night 9 o'clock it's going to be a great time and I want to thank you uh, so much for coming on the show well thank you for having me it's been good talking to you have you ever listened to an album and thought to yourself man I could do so much better than that well here's your chance my name is Sue and I've decided to write my next album live and online at rageandapathy.com So come on over, leave me a comment, and tell me what you think about the album and where you think it should go. And as a bonus for you Iron City rockers out there, I will give you an exclusive copy of the first song as soon as I get it finished. So stop on over to RageAndApathy.com and join my madness. All right, big thanks to Queen V and also for Todd LaTorre of Queensryche for coming on the show. You can check us out, Iron City Rocks, at gmail.com send us an email send us comments send us a criticism send us whatever you want we love to hear from you guys ironcityrocks.com facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks you can also check us out at castironring.com or facebook.com forward slash the cast iron ring um, we are part of the cast iron ring network of podcasts which bring you phenomenal hard rock metal and music related podcasts daily almost honestly daily we're putting out podcasts between the shows on that network so it's really worth checking out if you're a fan of shows like this or you've got a job where you don't want to have to listen to music all day long or the satellite light fm that your boss makes you listen to throw your headphones on check out wiki metal check out focus on metal check out radioactive metal check out the bonehand heavy half hour or iron city rocks or, or whatever Lots of choices for you. We want to especially highlight our sister show, which is called the Heavy Metal Book Club. You can find that at heavymetalbookclub.com. For those of you who like to read about your rock, uh, it's a show that I uh, personally host, which features interviews with um, a lot of artists, specifically on books that they have written. Our last episode, which was episode 7, uh, we featured Dick Wagner, and I had to enjoy uh, very much when blabbermouth.com or blabbermouth.net, I'm sorry, posted the story about our interview with Dick Wagner. Someone responded immediately in typical blabbermouth format with the who the bleep is Dick Wagner. Well, if you don't know who Dick Wagner is, I invite you to take a look at your own CD collection. Dick Wagner was the guitarist for Alice Cooper from the time Welcome to My Nightmare was recorded and written. I wrote most of the songs with Alice Cooper all the way through to the early 80s. He was Alice Cooper's main writing partner. Also uh, played guitar on Destroyer from Kiss. Uh, you hear a lot of stories about uh, Kiss bringing in session musicians. Uh, Dick Wagner was one of the primary musicians brought in on that album. Dick Wagner also was one of the primary musicians brought in on Get Your Wings from Aerosmith. A uh, period of time, I guess, uh, Brad and Joe were MIA during the recording session. So uh, Dick Wagner and his partner Steve Hunter, another fabulous guitarist, were brought in and played guitar on uh, most notably Train Kepper Rollin' and Same Old Song and Dance so uh, you know the guy has just got a resume that won't quit has a lot of writing credits written over a thousand songs in his career uh, recorded with many many artists so heavymetalbookclub.com you check out episode 7 with Dick Wagner a phenomenal guy uh, and a really cool book uh, to read from a, a, r- a real unsung hero I think in our generation uh, you know I think people maybe in their late 40s early 50s probably remember dick wagner by name but a younger generation doesn't realize quite the impact that dick had on the musical industry so check that out as well 
We want to thank you uh, primarily for listening. I know uh, there are zillions and zillions of podcasts and radio shows and things to occupy your ears. I want to thank you especially for taking the time uh, to come with us each week as we kind of take you in many, many musical directions. I think this episode is certainly speaks to that with Queens Reich, who's you know kind of a historically you know, legendary hard rock metal band of the eighties uh, to Queen via an artist who is you know up and coming hungry artist of a kind of a different musical style from Queensryche, obviously. So we like to kind of take it in more than one direction uh, to keep it a little more interesting as opposed to just trying to do, you know, bands of grindcore every week. We, we really try to mix it up and keep it interesting, not only for you, but for ourselves. Uh, we enjoy doing this very, very much, and we thank all of you. want to keep an eye out for our Mayhem postgame show. For those of you who were with us for episode 206, which was our pregame show for Mayhem, and we featured four interviews with bands, well, um, our co-hosts, Sean and Aaron, uh, spent an entire day at Mayhem. I believe they did six interviews uh, during the day. It might have only been five. It was getting kind of blurry there because they were coming so quick. So we've got some phenomenal artists, um, Huntress, we've got uh, Butcher Babies, all kinds of stuff. Uh, in our post-game show from Mayhem. Also on ironcityrocks.com, we'll be putting up momentarily photos from the Mayhem Festival, so feel free to go out there and, and steal them. Put them on your Facebook page. We don't care. We do this for you. Um, take them, and they're yours. So enjoy. I want to thank you again for listening. Mm-hmm.